2: Welcome to the Hot Take Corner podcast, episode two, where we take your your hottest takes, your most burning questions, and we just generally talk about the Indians. I'm your host Matt Lyons, and joining me this week is Let's Go Tribe writer and host co-host of Indians on Deck Brian Heminger. Hello there. Let's Go Tribe writer Alex
1: Hooper. What's up?
2: And Let's Go Tribe writer and co-host of Let's Talk Tribe Merritt Rolfing. Good evening. All right. So for this week, of course, it's compared to last week. I think it's a little bit happier questions for some odd reason based on the last series of games that we had i'm going to start with one from brad sussany on facebook he asks can we please get savali as a permanent fixture in the rotation uh yes please <laughs> that's basically my whole response to that easy question is yes i want him in the rotation um merit's written about it and we talked about it in the podcast he has some special things going for him and i think it was i heard just heard somebody say recently i think it was zach Mizell on the um the Selby is Godcast. He said he's basically Corey Kluber, but he was even less interactive. So he's he has a lot of Kluber qualities to him on the mound, and I guess probably in the locker room too.
0: He is interactive on Twitter because uh uh Matt Schlichting, we were just wondering when before he got ever got called up, you you always saw the C-I-V-A-L-E, and you're like, Is it Savale? Is it Saval? Is it Savali? Like, we didn't know. So Matt just goes, Hey, at Aaron Savali. Uh, how do you say your name? And he actually gave us the full pronunciation. He actually responded on Twitter and, and told us. This was before he, he became, you know, an actual Indian starting rotation pitcher. But so he is at least interactive on Twitter. I don't know if he still is. He might be too big time for us now, but I, I definitely want to second you on get him in the rotation. Like if Kluber or Carrasco or somebody else gets activated, I'd say he takes Pletko's spot for sure. I, at this point, I would probably take him over Plasek. I, I'd say like he has the edge on that number five spot in the rotation moving forward if everybody's healthy.
3: Yeah, he's that he's gonna get he's gonna get lit up at some point. Obviously, no one holds a one ERA or whatever he has forever. I would say he has to take if anyone please spot. Please could just he, he he's dancing way too much on the edge, him or or Plutko, but he, neither neither of them are particularly good peripherally. as I wrote about and and writing about again, Savali just has way more going for him. On those same peripherals, again, it's only what eighteen innings or something like that that we've seen him so. Two hundred and seventy-one mm-hmm. pitches is starting cr- to create some kind of a sample size, at least get an idea of his of his arsenal. I, I, I think the 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 answer to that question is, yeah. I mean, obviously, w- what else would they do? I suppose you know th- th- this is a I've, I've said it before on the on the Let's Go Tribe main podcast, but this is like a secret rebuild year almost, and it's going quite well, I must say. So they've been able to kind of. Um, Audition these pitchers, and I'd say of all the ones we've seen run through so far, this is definitely going the best.
1: Yeah, it's I think it's pretty unanimous for all of us. I I wrote that article about Zach Pleissack, and like as I was going through it, I'm like, am I being too hard on this dude? But the the longer I did it, the more I was just like, yeah, man, it's it's Savoli. You, you want him, and I, he just he profiles better. He's been. Ahead of Pleszak, um, just coming up through the minors on the pipeline and everything. He's just been more promising, it seems. So I think Zach can obviously get a lot from going back to AAA and working on things. But, I mean, Pleco's going to get his run because of who he is and where he's at in his career. And I think then you just have to choose between Savali and Plesak. And I think it's a pretty obvious one eventually once that squeeze starts to happen, once guys, God willing, actually get healthy.
0: And I want to throw in a little bit more here. I think Savelli, uh, just in terms of stuff, it's a lot better. Like, just there's a lot more movement on his pitches. He also controls the zone a lot better. His strikeout to walk ratio has been tremendous to start his career, and I think that he can actually keep that up because, like, like Bieber, he was a very high strikeout, low walk guy throughout his run in the minors. And I think what really excited me was seeing him hit 95 miles an hour in his last start. Uh, because this is a guy that's converted reliever. So there's a lot more untapped potential with him as well. So I think that the Indians can actually add more velocity and he can get even scarier down the down the line. But I think he has extremely high potential. And I, I'm not going to discount Placek. Like, I think he's one of the hardest workers in the whole system. He went from completely unranked and then MLB Pipeline before he uh, qualified, lost his rookie status. He was up to 15 in the Indians' top 30 before he graduated. So, you know, pipeline was like, Whoa, you know, this guy came out of nowhere, but he would be a top 15 prospect at the Indian system right now. Uh, so I, I, I'm not going to discount how hard Zach Playsack works. And I think that he could actually add more to his game as well. So I think long-term, I would definitely go Savellian and playsack over the right,
2: man, Why don't you take us with the question that everybody wants <laughs> desperately to answer.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> with, uh, M.G. Bode uh, underscore WFNY on Twitter asks, with Luplo replaced by a relief pitcher and Puig suspended, Freeman and Ploiecki are the only bench options right now. So in the scenario, Freeman is used and Ploiecki needs to be saved in case Robo gets hurt. Which pitcher gets used as an emergency pinch hitter and or fielder? And I think that at least the answer to me is obvious. It's sack play sack. He's one of the best athletes on the whole team, like whether it's a uh, position player or pitcher, regardless. Uh, when I interviewed him, I think I saw, I, I discovered doing all my research that he would do like offseason dunk contests against Will Benson. We've seen hit that athleticism on display with that incredible diving catch that he made out of nowhere. Um, and going back to Ball State, he was a two-way player. Uh, he actually would, uh, he had, a, he had actually a pretty good offensive season with Ball State. Uh, I think his freshman or sophomore year, he was a good hitter. So I, I, I've actually been really looking forward to seeing him pitch uh, against national league in an away game, because I think he will be the next Indians pitcher to hit a home run in a game. So that's my call right now. I think Zach Plasek if the, the need ever happens or if the need ever happens for a, a pitcher to, to play in the field, it's Plasek.
1: Y'all going to make me go? Cause I have a, no, you go. Cause I have a hot take, just a little bit of a spoiler. I have a hot take, but I'm not going to answer the question.
3: <laughs> who's, the, who's the thickest pitcher on the – who's the thickest guy we got here? I'm trying to figure that one out because, I yeah, you know, who's got the most mass? I believe in the ability to transfer mass into a sweat. Brad
1: Hand is low-key thick. Uh, We're well, looking at right have, now. So, they're all the same
3: size. You know, I, I think, Oliver I think, Perez is the I, biggest, yeah. I think I mean Brad Hand has a de- he's six three two twenty I think he's probably a little bit more yeah he's got a bit of he's
1: a, low key stocky low key.
3: yeah exactly he's got definitely yeah. got a, he's got a lot of lower body to him so I'd go with him I'd go with Brad Hand as <laughs> my as my Wait, guy. so what is
2: the thinking besides the thickness here is that he could that's use that got. lower body power
3: <laughs> yeah yeah just really get, you know run into one you know? I mean we're we're talking about hitters you got guys who have hit in ages you know so. Yeah, I'd go with him. I'd go with Brad Hand. Plus, as we as you demonstrate, he's really good at giving up hits. Hey.
2: Yeah. Well, you go. My only answer was Zach It's I think that's the only true answer to me. I guess I don't know who else you'd really do. But but Alex, what's your hot take that's going to burn our podcast right. to the ground?
1: So the first thing I thought when I read this is Josh Tomlin. And my <laughs> what my actual hot take is, and I've said it on Twitter before, but Josh Tomlin should have hit before Michael Martinez in game seven of the world series. And I will never (laughs) ever, ever let that go. Like that seems like one of the most, it seems like such a layup. And the worst part about it is I tweeted it out and Andre not tweeted me back and was like, that almost happened. You don't even know. So now, now I just continue to go down that rabbit hole. I actually, I spent way more time at work one day looking up, like trying to find as much stat cast and Brooks baseball information I could on Josh Tomlin as a hitter. And obviously, given the microscopic sample size, Josh Tomlin's OPS and hard hit percentage and everything just absolutely makes Michael Martinez somehow look like a worse hitter. And that's my answer is Josh Tomlin. I don't care that he's not there anymore, because I'm still so annoyed that he didn't hit.
2: Could you imagine if they did that and it works and that worked? If they walked off on the pinch hitter pinch hitting pitcher winning
0: the World Series. That'd be ridiculous.
1: Speaking of which, last night I
0: remember Tomlin smacking a double down the line. Like he could hit.
1: Last night I turned on the Rays game and I think it was uh Castillo was the opener and they pinch hit Jalen Beaks and then Jalen Beaks didn't pitch. I mean he, he took three strikes and then he didn't even go out to pitch. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, no, I I think about that a lot just because like Game 7 of the World Series, they're going to ask Tito after the game, like, why did you pinch hit a pitcher? But the answer was obvious the entire time. He played shortstop at Texas Tech. He was a good hitter Anytime he hit for the Indians. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think what it comes down to is like, so... Tito is the guy who is known for managing the clubhouse and keeping personalities in line. Can you imagine how everyone would have felt if you had a position player? <laughs> That's what I was just
2: thinking too, like how much, how would Michael Martinez feel about that? <laughs> but also I don't care if they, if it worked in one. Right,
1: right. The answer is who cares? He's never going to, yeah. he's never going to play in the league again. Him,
2: you win the world series. Like who cares at that point?
1: Yeah. And if it happens, it's the most brilliant thing. Like they induct Tito into the hall of fame tomorrow. Right.
2: That would have sent Tito even further past the genius mark that he gets all the time for. He could have bun- what he did that season. He so. could have
1: bunted twenty-seven consecutive times in Game One <laughs> in the wouldn't opener. Have cared. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> so that's my answer. I didn't even
2: think of that
3: before. Because now I'm sad that, again.
1: That I was too stuck
2: on the fact that there's no possible way Michael Martinez would come up when it matters. Right? He's like the 40th <laughs> the 25th guy on the roster, and then of course the place he comes up. I was totally hung up on that disaster of a choice. All
1: right, so. This one intrigued me. Kelly Jones on Facebook asked, Now that Jason Kipness is hitting, is it still an absolute that his option isn't Wait. picked up for next season? Yes. yes means no, right? Yes means no. Like there's no way they pick that option up. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's no way they pick that
1: option. <laughs> but up. like it's
2: We're not gonna pay him sixteen million for being slightly below average instead of way
1: below average. It's it's intriguing to me though, just because I see it happening. It's not going to happen, but I could see it happening and the fact that that thought was put in the back of my head just scared the living hell out of me. <laughs> but this is the one time I've been like, Ooh, thank God. They're that strapped for cash. I was going to say cheap, but thank God they're that strapped for cash.
3: I don't want him to come back. I like him, but I've been talking for two years now. How he would look great in a white socks uniform. And I think that's his, opp- <laughs> this is his opportunity to go, I don't know, back up Yohan Mankata, I guess, or something. And then, of course, murder the Indians. But
0: Yeah. And, I mean, if, if we could guarantee, uh, what is it, 2015, May 2015 Kipnis for a full season, then I'd totally pick that option up. Yeah, let me try to it, double it and
2: <laughs> bring it back another year after that.
0: But it only seems like we get that for very brief spurts, and then there's a whole bunch of uh, inadequacy in between and then he's still having horrible splits against lefties at this point now as well so no there's just there's no reason especially a year older i mean you just can't expect somebody to magically continue to get better at that age unless they're taking steroids or something so
2: i think i'd be for all for him like going somewhere to a team is going to pay him probably more than he's worth just on the, the um the lottery of that happening and then when he's done with that contract and he's even older, like coming back on a cheap one-year deal to be the veteran guy again because that's a really good place that he's at now, like when he's hitting well and also a veteran clubhouse leader. At least it looks like that from the outside. So I wouldn't mind that in a couple of years, just not paying him $16 because he found out how to hit for a couple of weeks throughout the season.
3: Oh, this one caught my eye actually. Uh, who asked this question? Uh, Azuma Films asked, uh, why doesn't Adam Plutko throw his curveball more? Doesn't have to be a strike, but to give the hitter something to think about. Um, just for your guys' reference, Plutko's pitch mix right now is as follows. Fastball fifty four and a half, slider twenty three point two, changeup eleven point four, curve uh, at eleven percent.
2: Is the answer he's it's not that great? I don't he does it's not like he's barely throwing, he's throwing eleven percent of the time. It's not like he doesn't throw it, but he's it's just not great, like most of his pitches. Poor Adam, I'm sorry. I have
3: opinions, and I'll I'll mention them now. Uh, (laughs) I think he should throw his fastball less. What that's picked up by, because, again, it's not very good. It's not – the velocity isn't really there for it to be being thrown that often. So, for that reason alone, it makes a lot of sense for him to throw something else more. Uh, It's his second least valuable pitch if you want to go by Fangraph's pitch values. And then, I know there's an article about uh, – Aaron Sanchez and his curveball and how the Astros figured this thing out where he has a curveball and like the 91st percentile in terms of um, active spin rate, I uh, Plutko is like 250th out of all pitchers.
1: StatCast, it says his curve spin is in the 94th percentile, but yet it's got... What fifty four inches of drop, which is like six percent below average, and it's seventy seven yeah, mile an hour. I don't understand that
3: because I'm looking at it here and it says he only has fifty three percent, fifty four point one percent, um, like relevant spin or active spin or whatever to his his curveball. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a very
1: but the I mean the fact of the matter is is if you're going to have a slow curve, it has to drop. If you're going to have a hard curve, you can probably get away with that a little more, but. If it's slow and it does not drop, if it's got below average drop and below average speed, I don't think it's something you really want to rely on. It's up from 75 miles an hour last year.
3: (laughs) Weighted ball training, obviously. Getting that max effort
0: going. (laughs) I'd say without looking at data, I think he can't trust it to to throw it for a strike. Or also he's concerned that he hangs it too often. So you know, when you don't have trust in a pitch uh, a lot of times that becomes the the least used pitch so at least that's my assumption is he trusts the the slider more as a a, a pitch to try to put
3: get batters which, out which does make sense i mean if only because he throws his fastball so often he should throw something that looks more like the the fastball which the slider does uh if only to keep guys off you know off off their front uh, you know I, I can't speak right now but you know uncomfortable uh that's the only thing i could think and his slider is his most effective pitch probably but in part because he throws his fastball so much so i'm just thinking back to like when like when josh Tomlin was at his best he wasn't throwing a lot of four seamers to my not that i remember but he wasn't also throwing a lot of curves either i did do that experiment in MLB the show that time where i threw only curve curve balls with josh tomlin it didn't go well but (laughs) that's science so i could try that again with adam blitko i suppose Holy shit. <laughs> Hot take.
2: All right. Carol Frey on Facebook, she says, um, the emphasis is not mine. It says, get rid of Hand! <laughs> points. Um, this has become a common sentiment for some reason because Brad Hand had two bad games in a row, so he is terrible and the worst and get rid of him. Uh, but no, he's he's still really good. <laughs> he has a two point seven four ERA this season. He's his, his always expected numbers on baseball savant are all really good. He's He just had some bad luck. He gets hit kind of hard, but he also strikes out a ton of batters so i'm not worried at all at all i was i'm not afraid to say it now i was one of the ones who wanted to trade him at the deadline because i didn't think he'd ever be any better and you could probably just slot another closer in there but they have him i I see no reason to be mad at him now he's super good still it's it's also kind of a relief that people just didn't hate cody allen they just hate closers because they're kind of dumb about how they work so Mm -hmm. it's it's just how it goes. Everybody hates the closer because you see him give up games. And then, I mean, he's on what? He has two straight wins. That's well, let's focus on that part real quick. He's got, <laughs> he's won of both day, of his last games. Winning <laughs> matters, right? Winning is winning. What, what, what did Dom Toretto say? All right. But I mean, even before these two games, he threw like what? I'm looking at five games in a row without allowing a run. And then he had a couple of bad streaks before that. And then there was a bunch. And then all oh, that Royals game wasn't pretty when he gave up five. But other than that, it's like, he had so many long stretches of being so good that I'm not really...
0: Worried about it at all? Yeah, I, I think the problem was just overuse. I think he had a couple outings where he threw a lot of pitches. He he should not have pitched yesterday, or I, I guess Monday, uh, if you want to say it that way. He just he needs some. He just needs a couple days off, and then he'll be back to normal. All right, I like this one. Richard K Bach on Twitter asks: Could the subtraction of Bauer be a positive, even without the assets the Indians received? Ooh, that's almost
3: that's hot take worthy. What does that even? What does that mean? It doesn't mean <laughs> anything. That doesn't.
2: Mean... <laughs> I guess the implication would be that he's saying Trevor was a bad teammate. I don't, but that nothing really.
3: He always seemed like a great teammate. I'll be honest. I mean, maybe a dick, but you know, we since it,
2: all... it definitely yeah. something got on Terry Francona's nerves quite a bit. But I mean, he he, he seemed mm-hmm. to help out the pitchers a lot. So I don't know. I don't think it's losing a pitcher like him is a a positive in any way no matter how bad of a teammate he was but
0: yeah because i mean for me i yeah obviously i disagree with this because uh, just just his most recent start with cincinnati i think he went seven innings 11 strikeouts either one or no runs i mean just filthy it, his first start wasn't the greatest but uh i mean he's already going back to you know dominating ways when healthy and at the top of his game trevor bauer was one of the best pitchers in the american league so and to, with the extra stuff that he did with, uh, just the weighted balls and, and all his little pitching philosophies and, and the, the stuff he did with Driveline about adding velocity and, uh, the, the, the work they put in. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but he's been one of those few pitchers that you never worry about an arm injury. Like the only time he's ever really been hurt, it's been, you know, a ball coming back at him or a drone or something like stuff that's not out of, in his control. So. No, I think, uh, I think he had a lot of great theories that the Indians actually adapted, and, and you've seen a lot of that stuff, I think, has been helping the Indians turn some of these college pitchers into MLB pitchers. So, yeah, just losing him straight up was bad, but gaining five, five players was great. <laughs> so adding Puig has been a huge lightning bolt, and then obviously I Reyes is going to be a big factor moving forward, plus those three prospects as well. So, no, if you had just gotten rid of Trevor Bauer, even.
1: And I can say from being in that clubhouse so often, Trevor wasn't actively stirring guys up. Trevor was pretty quiet and in his locker. He wasn't ever going around bugging anybody. That's not the kind of guy he was. So it's not like he was this clubhouse cancer. I think he had those moments and we saw them and they boiled over and it pissed Terry Francona off quite a bit. I'm sure that happened along the way in places elsewhere, but... I don't think he was some kind of cancer in the clubhouse or anything like that. And just further to the same points you were making, I came away from that trade and I was like, what are the reds doing? When you look at it, just as it happened, you're like, this is a lot. (laughs) They gave up so much, but I think there's almost an added premium with Trevor where you know, what you're getting is going to go deeper than just the guys on the field. You're going to get, A different viewpoint. And I know these front offices nowadays are kind of designed to do that thinking for you. But I mean, you have a guy who he is, if people want to buy in, he is that conduit. He is the guy that can bring all of these ideas and he can be a guy who can put them in the simplest of terms for pitchers, at least, and kind of change an entire culture. So when I looked at him, like, you know, you get him for another year, he can institute that change and You know, it's not like he's going to walk into Cincinnati and be like, I'm going to be a free agent in a year. I can't give away all these secrets. That's not who he is. He wants to teach everybody how he does things, and he wants his changes to be instituted across the game. So, I mean, I think the Reds get a really deep, understanding and deep knowledge from him that it was probably worth the price that they gave up. Even if he walks in a year and even if they never contend, they're still going to have something to show for having Trevor Bauer around. And I think the Indians have plenty of that. I, I think he probably contributed in so many ways that we never saw, even during 2016 and in the years afterwards, just things that weren't tangible. And that's why he's not addition by subtraction. Yes in ways in small small ways I bet a couple of shoulders will relax now that he's gone but
2: and I think the if you look at it from the Reds perspective I'd imagine they could they could spin it as he really didn't give up that much for him even if if they don't if Taylor Trammell is like their version of Francisco Mejia where they didn't see him working out because he's had a down year this year so if he doesn't seem like he has much of a future all they did was give up him and half of a year of Yasiel Puig which We've seen rentals aren't getting like a huge boatload of prospects anymore. And again, Puig was a below-average hitter when they traded him. So I think if if they get all that out of and Trevor, they came out pretty he well. Was the number twelve prospect and Scott yep. Moss. <laughs> so that it can end up being that's the biggest piece they feel they gave up if if they really don't believe in Taylor Trammell.
3: And also, just to your point, Alex, about the the you know, the institutional changes, uh, Trevor may have helped kind of usher with the Indians if he um i'll say I, I wish he had been able to stick around for another year just for these young guys so he could talk be that you know player conduit because as we've read uh if anyone who read the mvp machine right you know like the astros bring bring players in they can demonstrate they show them you know they like they, they showed garrett cole this is why you should you know throw less less sinkers or, or whatever you know like they they gave him data but if even players say anything that's very helpful as well and if that's if that was all driven by Trevor Bauer, quite honestly, that's a bit of a condemnation of the Indians as an organization to not be able to kind of communicate that inf- information to their players. Uh, that's why I kind of wish that, it, it, you know, you miss him because he was a great pitcher, but also because of that impact he was able to have in terms of that communication of a way, the ways pitching can be, it can a, a training regimen can evolve or what, you know, you know what I'm talking about, but uh, th- that is one reason why I kind of miss him. So, uh, yeah that was all bauer honestly that's that looks really bad for the indians to be quite honest
2: well as alex said um he said the word conduit which is from like the mvp machine mentioned that a lot it's really important like you can have all these the front office have all these advanced stats and know what to do but if you don't have the player it's it's different if you
1: think they haven't seen firsthand what joey Votto can do i mean i know jesse winker is just posting up next to joey Votto all the time and they just talk hitting and those guys are on base machines and that's the kind of stuff you want so now they have one on both sides i
0: So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's match-ical.
1: right, Chris Saman on Facebook, he asks, could all could Kluber take on a bullpen or closer role, much like John Smoltz did when he was with the Braves? My reaction to that was, wouldn't it be Cookie? Wouldn't that be Cookie's job? He's, he's come out of the pen before, and... Kluber is such a creature of habit that I can't imagine he would be the guy that you put out in the bullpen. I, I like the idea of Carrasco because he can throw harder. You'd uh, he, he have to work up less from where he's at. And you know, he's a little further behind in his development. You also don't know what's going to happen with him. You got to, I don't want to say treat it with kid gloves, but he's still going through something pretty serious whether or not he gets back to the major league level. I mean, this is still something I'm no doctor, but I think you have to still manage this pretty closely and you're not going to put your foot through the floor and on the pedal. And it makes a lot more sense to me to have Carlos Carrasco come out of the pen because you're not going to need more than Kluber, Bieber and Clevenger and maybe a spot start from Savali in the playoffs. Granted, You even go four games into the playoffs. But it just makes a lot more sense to me for Carlos Carrasco. But I do think it is something that works for him. I think it's a nice right-handed arm out of the pen in the playoffs. You can get those multiple innings, much like he had with Trevor Bauer last year, if you got to use him a little bit more. But I think that makes more sense to me.
3: Smoltz was a closer from 2002 to 2004, and he was throwing between... 93.6 and 95.3 in those in those years so right i i had for some reason i've had this thought in the past i don't know why about kluber i don't know why i don't remember what what precipitated it um but i I think velocity is the obvious yes he has that that filthy you know slurve of his that could be and his velocity doesn't really look that dissimilar to that of brad hand but um along with uh the creature of habit thing uh and the obvious you know you Probably why not Carrasco instead? I just, I've also done look, I've also looked in the past into like Kluber's worst times out are or usually, or he suffers the most early in games, whether that's sample size or not. I don't know, but the velocity thing I think is a big thing. Obviously, he could go, he could throw harder because he's not trying to go seven innings, but I don't think he's going to grab three miles an hour on his fastball, quite honestly. And considering it's his repertoire as much as, as his, the full repertoire as much as his, uh, just his slur that make him so filthy, It's it seems like a waste of time and quite honestly skill to do that. Yeah,
0: and I'm right with you. Uh, Kluber, I mean, my biggest issue on not using him as a closer is uh, at, he, he's been a little bit uh, home run prone lately. So, you know, you would not want to bring somebody in in a close game and give up a home run. Uh, like And especially somebody that I mean, I, I think I read that Kluber might be one of the most superstitious players on the entire Indians roster. Like he has this very meticulous ritual that he goes through before every game about very specific things have to be like very specific, and I you don't want to break that up. Like you know, even if it obviously wouldn't affect him physically, it could have, you know really mess with him mentally. So I know that he's a guy that would do anything for the team, but I I would not want to screw with that.
3: We heard those same things, the creature habits of and things like that about Danny Salazar. Now, obviously, that's neither here nor there at this point, because Danny Salazar is whatever that is. But uh, I always wondered about that myself. I mean, would it really be that much of a stretch? And maybe it would, in all honesty, to get oneself up for a single inning. Uh, Obviously, the creature habit thing is, in part, getting ready for you know, a seven inning start and all that stuff. So I don't know. I, I've, always, I've always kind of wondered about the, I don't know, I don't, I don't have an end to that sentence.
2: <laughs> wondered if it matters? Is that what you're getting at?
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Danny Sells out through real hard and had a great you know, change up or whatever you want to call that thing, splitter. And I always thought that was a perfect pairing for a great closer or, you know, relief pitcher. I, I, don't, I don't think Kluber has the same. I think his
1: mentality really lends itself to being a closer, but I think kind of what Brian said with, his repertoire being so deep i think that plays so much better as a starter
2: he's going to have the right intensity to do it. like he's not going to be shaken by being a closer or anything. i think he can get out of his he might be out of whack by not having the right what i blank on what it's called the right process before he starts and all that but i imagine if you told him he's the closer and he would somehow able to work himself through that by the time the playoffs come and the world series potentially comes like i think he could do that but i don't think i don't think he's going to be the one to do it i think like he's like you guys have said either carrasco or yeah. And even they start if they have the to somewhere to be a reliever. closers
0: and pitchers out there. It's, you know, they throw a fastball and a slider or just basically a pure cutter or, you know, very specific, small repertoires that they have just, def- that they have perfected. And Kluber's out there throwing five, six pitches, like three different fastballs. And there's just no way he can make that work in coming in and throwing one inning. So you just would have a very short amount of time to get all those pitches working. How effective would he be if all they threw was that nasty, you know, slutter, I think is how he describes it. Uh, so, you know, if everybody knew that was coming, I think it'd be a lot more e- easier to hit, even if it is filthy.
3: Uh, we got two for one here. Cause they both kind of focus around a uh, subject near and dear to my heart. Uh uh at match uh, schlichting oh, that's an interesting that name guy? never heard of that uh guy. asks is ty van berkelio secretly to blame for all the bunts as cheddar may have just dis- cheddar may or just cheddar may have discovered in one of the recap threads and as a Cheddar's corollary a, to that that's got coming uh i assume so <laughs> cheddar may is also <laughs> a good name uh you know, cheddar bob but uh and then as a corollary <laughs> at Slangyug on twitter asks does ty van berkelio exist now this is a subject here dear to my heart because I'm so firm that no he does not exist he's not a real man he is one of the four or five bench coaches wearing other face paint or a mask that day you know he's a he's more of an idea than a real man so could he be to blame for for all the bunts if that were true then no well what do you guys think
1: I I have a very specific thought to what you just said <laughs> not only and I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm sorry to do this to you, but not only does Ty Van Berkelio exist, his existence is its <laughs> <Proom> so it. <laughs> glorious. His existence is so glorious. He So <laughs> I don't know how inside information I can go here. I, I can't get in trouble because I'm never going to step foot in that clubhouse again. But I remember he would step out of the coach's room and that man would be his skin just got really red. And he was always wearing, he had this, this super cowboy fit minus the hat and boots. Like he had a flannel and jeans and he was always holding a beer and God damn it. I loved every second I saw that dude because he just, he looked like he had wandered drunkenly into the clubhouse and just camped <laughs> out. He didn't look drunk. He didn't look drunk. He just, he would always have a beer and he just. God, oh, I loved it.
3: Just like a drifter, basically. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's great.
1: I just he just needed a limp cigarette hanging out of his mouth, and then like would if he would try to talk to us and kind of have the cigarette bounce up and down between his lips loosely, and couldn't understand a thing he said. That's what I needed from him. Did he ever
2: do the teacher thing where he put like one leg up on one of the, uh, like on a desk or a bench and talk to you and put his hands on his hips? There start. was, inf- there was
1: unfortunately nowhere to plant a leg when he would come out of the coach's room. But you could just tell he wanted to though, right? I think so. <laughs> I think so. As as I remember it now, yeah, that's that's definitely how I remember it.
3: So there's like a fifty percent chance. Then he does exist. I guess is what we're saying.
1: Yeah. Are you positive I'll, that wasn't just Carl Willis
2: in <laughs> a mask? Can again, you? I don't know. It if... could
3: have been Carl Willis wearing wearing a fake mustache and <laughs> whatnot, enjoying a beer.
1: Mickey Calloway so was there. We're so. not sure. Hundred <laughs> percent. That payroll was <laughs> awfully <roughly> inflated. Hmm.
3: <laughs> um why you be to blame for all the bunts someone is and someone's got to take blame for this absurdity
2: <laughs> well i tried to avoid taking the bunt questions because i don't want to yell on a podcast and i've annoyed people on twitter already but oh, well
3: that's why i asked it man Come on. <laughs> well i mean Drama. there's another
2: one specifically i could have done but i think like no matter what it comes whether they're good or bad it's it's tito that can tell him to stop if he has to or he doesn't want to but
3: it's fine whatever more baseball man. He's playing sure. the percentages or something. Um, what did Mr. Burns I, said I, I in an episode? I'll uh, comment
0: on this because I, did, did any of you guys actually read the big comment that this uh, the Cheddar Man or Cheddar May made? Okay, it is tremendous. Like I, I told him he should make it a fan post. Um, it goes into full detail about Francona's history as a manager, like when he was with the Red Sox, about the the bunting trends. And the Red Sox were never a big bunting team when Francona managed them. And it went to, it followed Van Berglio's career as a hitting coach. And everywhere he went, the team would be like top 10 in bunting, in sacrifice bunts, everywhere. Even like Seattle, which never bunts. Uh, so, like, it, it, it is, I could not, it was a meticulously researched. I was blown away by the what he went through, like what he was looking at and everything. And it so it's – I mean, yes, you can blame Francona because he's allowing it to happen, but it seems to be, you know, as we've talked about, Van Berkelio was a guy that is old school, says he doesn't, you know, change anything. He said that repeatedly, I think, when we were really complaining about the offense at the beginning of the season and there was kind of that fire Van Berkley-o'd, uh train going. And uh it would not shock me one bit if – he is behind some of the the the, the players wanting to bunt more, uh, because it is if you look at the, the the every single team he has ever coached, they are like top ten or higher in sacrifice bunts like throughout his entire career where he's been involved with offense. So it, it but yeah, seriously, look up you you all. I encourage everyone to find that comment. It was in a post game like recap, and it was. It's one of my favorite comments of the year. Like, I, like I don't know why he didn't make it into a fan post. It was serious. I, I, he must have spent hours looking at this stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I,
1: I have to add Ty Van Berkelio has zero career sacrifice bunts yeah. in the major. So does So does
3: Carlos Santana zero. It gets deeper. Sacrifice dingers, baby. That's all he's got. <laughs>
2: Uh, so i'll do the uh, next one we'll do where was it at azuma films on twitter he asks, what is your opinion of perez and how he calls games and frame pitches But i think both need improvement what <laughs> like nope don't don't agree with that i don't um i think maybe he's conflating the fact that indians pitchers seem to have been squeezed a lot this season and blaming that on perez but i went and checked and his, his framing runs on baseball Prospectus are still really good he's up among it's like some of the best defensive catchers altogether, and i don't I don't think there's any problem with him calling games. Really? I don't, I haven't seen anything that stuck out. Everybody seems to mix, but like, watching Shane Beamer alone is always a treat. Just the way he mixes them up, knowing what Shane Beamer can throw and how he uses it. So I don't see this at all, that there's some kind of problem with Roberto Perez. Is this maybe just a young Gomes burner account that came and wanted to talk about his old catcher? I don't know.
3: It could be just too. we're talking about a guy who's dealing with, you know, three guys who he's barely ever caught before, you know, in Plutko, uh, Oh, and really, all these guys. I mean, up until what this year, he was kind of a part-time catcher for. Uh, 2016. Yeah, he call was just Trevor Bauer's catcher. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like we're talking about a guy who's getting to know new pitchers, and so that might you know, that might not be a there might be suboptimal pitch mix and things like, things of that nature. So that could just be part of it, quite honestly. That makes sense to me, at least. And as for the call co- the framing, it's madness, simple madness. But
1: yeah, I mean, that would be the guy that I would. I would want to learn from, they gave him a, for a backup catcher, they gave him a relatively fat contract at the time. And they obviously, I mean, I don't think he's been below seventh in baseball and framing for the last, I'll just stick with seven years. And, and that's right. And that's a cumulative statistic. Like that racks up. Time. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing something, would, right. It's like he would have had 50 framing runs that he caught the entire year. So I know this, the post wasn't fully about framing, <laughs> but to even suggest that is, is ludicrous. And, but yeah, I, anytime a, a kid gets to the major leagues and we've seen so many different kids make it to the major leagues this year, different guys come up and pitch. I mean, they're all going to have to readjust their arsenals when they get to the bigs. I don't, I can't imagine a whole lot of guys unless it's, you know, like you were talking about with closers where. It's a refined arsenal and it's two pitches. I can't imagine a lot of guys come up from AAA and they're like, all right, I am going to throw my fastball 70% of the time and I am going to throw my curveball 25% of the time and it is going to work.
0: In support of Roberto Perez, he got the shakeoff king, Trevor Bauer, to trust him. <laughs> I mean, that should be enough. But uh, just the fact that I think I saw a crazy statistic that like over about the past month, the Indians catchers had like one pass ball. I mean, that is unbelievable that Perez, yeah, I mean, that it's not just how good he's been at uh, calling games and framing pitches, which are both elite. It's also the fact that the pitchers can trust him to throw their nastiest breaking pitch that could go in the dirt with a runner on base uh, and to know that it's not going to dance away and give up a run. I think that's, that's something that people don't really think about, but that's huge that pitchers can have the confidence to throw their filthiest breaking pitches in really important situations, uh, knowing that Roberto Perez is back there and he's not going to let that ball get away from him. So, I mean, there's so many little things that he does that has made our pitching staff the best in baseball.
3: Yeah. Part of that too, you know, the, with all these young guys, they're all very different pitchers. You know, I, you look at a, rep, uh, a guy's you know, pitch mix and it's like, oh yeah, fastball, slider or change it, whatever. But like Savali works up in the zone a lot. Uh, Cause that's what his abilities kind of lend themselves to please. You know, he throws the ball down. He tries to get ground balls, Throws more changeups than anyone else. Uh, Rodriguez, when he was pitching was more of a sinker ball pitcher. Uh, Bieber's God. So that, that he has that going for him. And when, when Kluber's out there, even though know, he has to uh, Perez has to deal with that ridiculous slider, just burrowing into the ground all the time. So I think that alone, uh, especially with the young guys, once again, um, making them comfortable and trust him, I suppose is such a, I love how we're all just dumping on this question asker. ask her. Just <laughs> you fool. You we so don't come moron. after Roberto Perez on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, that's,
1: that's off. <laughs> we we have certain do rules that.
3: around here. <laughs>
2: all right, Brian, why don't you give us our last question uh, for the
0: show? I like this one. And this one probably won't surprise you that I'm going to ask. This is who do you see the tribe bringing up to help them in September when rosters expand? So just before I even answer this, they haven't like had the new rules yet this year, right? Like they can call a whole bunch of dudes or, okay. Um, well, I think there's a few that are obvious. Um, I mean, they've already got like Chang on the 40 man and he came up for a day. <laughs> so he'll come up, Eric Haas will come up, like just as depth guys that'll just give them a, a few extra options on the bench. Um, the other ones that I'm going to consider here, these they'll have to make decisions on because they would have to make 40-man adjustments. But, I mean, I don't know how you can deny James Karinchak any longer. I think this this past week was the third week he made the MLB Pipeline Player of the Week team as a relief pitcher. He's the first relief pitcher ever to do it, I think, in the history of MLB Pipeline, to do it three times in a season. Uh, and he's missed, like, half the season. That's how good he is. He missed, like, half the season with a hamstring injury, and he still made the MLB Pipeline uh, Player of the pitcher of the week, uh or reliever of the week. So uh I think his last time he he pitched he went faced four batters and struck all four out. I mean he's, he's striking out like twenty four batters per nine innings, <laughs> I think, at this point. Um yes, I'm not <laughs> oh, joking. Hello. And he's in AAA. <laughs> uh yeah, twenty-four per nine. I am not joking. Oh yeah, sorry. you look it up on graphs. <laughs> yeah.
2: Actually, Brian, it's twenty three
0: point eighty eight. I no, 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 so. no, no, no. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Could you kinda... kind of... I rounded up. <laughs> I rounded up. Um, but yeah, there's only twenty seven. You can strike out for nine. Well, one of those <laughs> are all home 24. runs. All right, come on. So, uh, yeah. That's that's,
3: that's, <laughs> that's three
0: home runs. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I mean that's a.
0: And uh, there's another guy that doesn't get a lot of talk, uh, Cameron Hill, who almost made the team. Uh, the bullpen last year uh, out of spring training, but then had a, a pretty bad injury. He worked his way back. He actually was injured this year still, and now he's been pitching this year, and he's been lights out. There was recently an article on The Athletic, and it had the 11 players in NILB that can help their teams right now. Indians had two of them. They were both relievers. It was Hill and Karen Jack. So the Indians would obviously have to make 40 man roster moves with these guys. They're ready to help the pen right now. And they're both filthy that throw upper nineties with just devastating strikeout stuff. Uh, and the Indians don't really have that. <laughs> I mean, you look at their bullpen, it's like, you know, Simber throwing in the eighties. I think, I, I think our highest velocity is like maybe 95, 96 out of the bullpen. And, uh, you know, to have a guy come in and throw 99 and just be blowing people away with wipeout breaking pitches as well, uh, that would just be a nice extra thing to add to our bullpen. So, yeah, I I definitely think those four, obviously, and, and, you know, if they want to bring in Bobby Bradley as another, you know, pinch hit guy that can come in and hit the hit a big extra base hit like in the game.
3: I don't pay a lot of attention to their minor leagues, to be quite honest, but I have more of a question for you guys. Do you think Logan Allen might find his way? He's already pitched for the Padres this year. I was, do you guys think he may, might make it? He might come up and actually get a start or something. Even I mean, depending on where they are in the in the in the playoff race and things like that, I I think it'll be very neat. I guess, when he debuted, season. he was unbelievable.
0: Like that first start, he faced Milwaukee, which had Christian Yellick in the lineup, and he pitched seven shutout innings and got a hit. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could not have asked for a better major league debut. But that was like one of his only really good outings he's had all season. I think in the majors, his ERA was over six. And in the minors this year, his ERA was over five in AAA with San Diego, and it's over eight in two starts with Columbus. So, this is the first year he's ever really had any adversity. Like, he's been pretty dominant at every level, working his way up since he was drafted in 15. So, um, I would say no, but I mean, if the Indians absolutely need somebody, like, like, say, two more guys go down, he could still fill in and be a, a spot starter but I would I would trust some other guys at least right now ahead of him.
1: I I don't know anything about his injury or anything, but I would imagine we would see Christian Arroyo if health is not an issue. Just a guy who can play multiple positions and give guys rests down the stretch if, you know, you're not in the pennant race all the way through September 30th or whatever, but if he's healthy, I would I would at least hope to see him. I hope that if we
2: have a, a post-clench Hangover game. I'm excited to see what's going to show up there.
1: <laughs> I'd imagine
2: Christian Royal is one of those and you Chang probably. And oh yeah. Chang That's Bradley, like the most thing I've looked forward to since it's been good is that hangover game. Um so about how many others? Or did Brian pick his his very niche answer for his he last really, one he got us good, <laughs> boy. i <tell> you. <laughs> well, that's gonna do it for us this week then. Um thank everybody for listening. If you're if you're still listening now at this point, no matter where you are, if it's I don't know, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, go ahead and leave us a review. Um, five stars, let us know. We try to read those on Let's Talk Tribe on Mondays. The last one was really nice, and we read that. Um, if it's mean, I'm not going to read it. I'll fight you. But I guess if it's five stars, you can insult. It. If it's five stars, I think you read insult doesn't And we got I'm all mad about it, didn't we? Or was that, was that... <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I don't know, but if it's five stars, I don't care. You can call me names. I'll read it on the air. Um, <laughs> do it for us this week. We will talk to you next week.
0: In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff
2: done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants.
3: Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that?